Good morning, church. Today we're asking the question, have we really counted the cost of following Jesus? Do we really understand what it means to be a Christian, that is, a follower of Jesus? These are really important questions to ask, especially as we emerge out of the Christendom era in the West, when being a Christian was just synonymous with being an Australian. It's just been assumed. It's just been part of being an Aussie or an European or an American or a South American. Most Aussies still claim to be a Christian on census night without really giving it too much thought. To illustrate what I mean, here are some actual responses from comment cards from visitors to wilderness areas in the US. People who hadn't really given much thought to what they were embarking upon. Here we go. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs, spiders and spiderwebs. Please spray the wilderness area to get rid of these pests. Please pave the trails. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get these wonderful views without having to hike to them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can be reimbursed? Please call. Escalators would help on the steep uphill sections. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. Too many rocks in these mountains. These complaints indicate that people who made them didn't really understand what it means to be in the wilderness. They were looking for something convenient and comfortable, which is just not part of the wilderness experience. They hadn't counted the cost. Similarly, many people claim to be a Christian, but don't truly understand what that involves and haven't really counted the cost. Here's an example from our reading today from Mark's Gospel from Moriah. Church, this morning's reading is from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31 from the NIV version. The rich and the kingdom of God. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, 
No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. This man isn't given a name, but we know he was young and wealthy and apparently a good religious fellow. Perhaps he'd heard that Jesus was offering this eternal life deal and wanted to get in on it. He had everything else, so why not this too? Perhaps he was used to getting everything that he wanted, and he came to Jesus seeking what his money couldn't buy. So he comes to Jesus and asks what he must do to get his hands on eternal life. And he must have thought he was home and hosed when Jesus responds by listing some of the Ten Commandments. I mean, you can imagine him, can't you? Checking them off in his mind, thinking to himself, yep, done that. Yep, never do that. Tick, tick, tick. I'm a good person. I'm all set. Eternal life. Here I come. But then Jesus delivers the man's self-assuredness, a crushing blow, when he adds one more thing. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then come follow me. Jesus wanted this self-sufficient young man to be completely dependent, not on his money, but on him. This man's problem was not that he had money, but that his money had him. His God was his wealth. And because he had so much of it, he was self-sufficient. Having money was not the issue. It's our attitude towards it that can be a problem. You don't actually need to have a lot of money for it to be your God. If you're constantly chasing after it, it is in effect then your God. You'll often hear people misquote a famous passage from the Bible saying that money is the root of all evil. When in fact, what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 is, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's about our attitude. It's about our heart. I like what John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, one of the Christian traditions from which we at Church in the Marketplace have come from. I like what he said about money. He said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I love that. Jesus wanted this man to know that Jesus himself must be his first love, his strongest security, his brightest hope. Jesus himself is the source of life, both now and in the eternal. Jesus was calling this man to fair dinkum discipleship. Jesus was calling him, as he does to you and I, to completely rework his life and his values towards following Jesus in all things. For this guy, it was his money that was holding him back. And perhaps that's your stumbling block too. But it could be any number of other things that we put our trust in to give our lives meaning and purpose and security. Affirmation from your peers, perhaps. A respectable career, maybe. Affection from another person. The right dress size. Social media likes. Don't we all love getting those thumbs up on Facebook? Having a wholesome family life, perhaps. Having a beautiful home. Having a beautiful body. Now, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. That's what makes their allure so very subtle and imperceptible at times. 
But can I ask you to be brave enough to ask yourself what you're really banking on to provide you with safety and security? And be brave enough to be willing to surrender it, to give it up should Jesus call you to do so. Jesus is calling us to let go of anything that could stand in our way of following him. He's calling us to jettison anything that could lure us off the path of single-minded devotion to him. For this man, money was his God. So he went away sad. But hey, at least he was honest, which I have a grudging respect for, quite frankly. At times, I'd much rather people were upfront in their dealings with God and his church rather than simply going along for the ride as long as it's convenient for them. Jesus is saying it's not enough just to tick a box or to do this or, or that or to just go through the motions of religious observance. You can't meet the real Jesus and come away indifferent about him. There can be no half measures when it comes to following Jesus. It's like being pregnant. It's just it's like being half pregnant. It's just not a thing. Jesus still has lots of admirers, but he doesn't want admirers. He wants followers, people who will throw their lot in with him. In poker parlance, we might say that Jesus wants people who are prepared to go all in. He wants to be the most important thing in your life, the most important thing against which all other things are then measured and discerned and then prioritized. What Jesus is asking of this man is just the normal price of being a disciple. Jesus is not calling us to poverty, but to complete faith and trust in him. He's calling us to surrender our lives to him. Your faith in Jesus can never be just one of the things you've got going on in life, not just another appointment in your weekly planner. The decision to follow Jesus is an explosion that destroys everything you have to make way for something new. It's a fresh start. You're born again. The only way that you can give up everything you have is when you realize that everything you have does not begin to compare to everything that God wants to give you. I have a mate who did just that. My mate Luke was a mechanic and he had the hottest, fastest car around. It was a Tirana XU1 replica. And for those of you who can remember Tiranas, you'll know that they were small cars, but this one had a stonking big V8 engine shoehorned into it. And it went like a stabbed cat. We would take our youth group out to the drag races at Eastern Creek Raceway to, to watch him race. It, the car was immaculate. It was featured in car magazines once or twice. He spent countless hours building it and maintaining it. It was his pride and joy. But you see, my mate Luke is a follower of Jesus. And one day, he sensed God tell him that he needed to let go of his car. That it, was a sort of, it had a sort of hold over him that wasn't healthy and that it needed to go. So it went. <laughs> in a move that staggered the rest of us, all of his mates, Luke sold his Tirana. We couldn't believe it, but he was faithful to God's call above everything else, even his beloved expensive XU1 Tirana. To this day, Luke, who now helps people build property portfolios, by the way, drives a beat-up old Commodore. Let me close with the beautiful words of a hymn that I, that I discovered this week by John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace. This is another hymn of his called The Power of Grace goes like this. 
Since I have known the Saviour's name, and what for me he bore, I no more toil for empty fame, I thirst for gold no more. Placed by his hand in this retreat, I make his love my theme, and see that all the world calls great is but a waking dream. Powerful words, aren't they? So friend, if you know that you're holding on to stuff in your life other than Jesus himself that makes you feel secure or valued or validated, can I encourage you to jettison it and take the leap of faith with Jesus today? Get in contact with me. Give me a call right now. Pick up the phone. I'd love to pray with you and welcome you into eternal life once and for all. Do it today. It could cost you everything, but it will be the best decision you ever make. Amen.